What's up, everyone? Welcome to Guest Friday, a Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Hayden. As always, you can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, and you can stay tuned for our latest updates on our social pages on Twitter and on Facebook. Uh, this week for Guest Friday, as you guys may have uh, paid attention to, we have a special, you know, Bruins surprise for you guys. I, you know, obviously a couple weeks ago felt felt badly that I couldn't have come out with, um, you know, a Guest Friday talking about the Bruins. Obviously, the whole uh, Mitchell Mitchell Miller in, uh, situation was, um, you know, something I just felt like I couldn't. Um, producing Bruins related content at the time. Um, but I realized that, you know, doing the, the episode last week with Sean Montgomery was really fun. Um, but I also want to give you guys um, a little special surprise. So this is uh, straight from uh, the the vault, if you will, of uh, some of the interviews that I've done um, in, in, in my lifetime. So um I wanted to bring you guys a special conversation that I had with uh, Rick Middleton uh, four years ago, or about four years ago at this point, um, prior to him getting his number retired um, in the TD Garden. His number 16 was raised to the rafters uh, soon after I had done this interview. Um, you know, Rick was obviously one of the best uh, Bruins players of all time, um, you know, 881 games with the franchise, 898 points, 400 goals, you know, in the top 10 in Bruins history and games played, goals, assists, and points, um, ended his NHL career having played 1,005 games, won the Lady Bing in 1982, and was a first-round pick of the Rangers in 1973. Um, So it was a fun conversation that I had with with Rick all those years ago. So uh, without further ado, here is the interview. How special is getting your number retired? Well, the way I, I, I put it, and, you know, I've been thinking about this since uh, July, since Cam called me and told me. Yeah. And when you put it into this perspective, uh, on, in 2024, it'll be the Bruins' 100th anniversary, and I'll be mm-hmm. one of only 11 players in a hundred years that, that uh, have their jerseys jersey race in the rafters so yeah. that's how special it is so when you put it into that context it's uh, it's, it's it really I can't describe how special it is and yeah. for me it's to me it's the highest honor I've been saying that for four months now mm-hmm. I feel for an athlete any athlete in any sport for, to be recognized by your team your organization to have your name uh prominently uh, yeah, exhibited uh, along with all those other great names over a hundred years so that my family and my family's family and generations to come will always see it. And I think it's a, the greatest honor. Yeah. So you played the majority of your career in Boston. What, what would you say was your favorite memory of playing in Boston? Well, I, uh, I, I have two distinct eras in Boston. I, I like to say that I played at the end of old-time hockey. 76-79 uh, yeah. with Don Cherry as the coach uh, was a great, great era for, for us. We went to the finals twice and, as you know, lost in the too many men on the ice. 
or we would have gone to the finals again hmm. against Montreal. But we were there every year. And we had such great teams. It was so much fun. And it was before the helmet rule came in in 79. So most guys in the league didn't have the helmets on. And that's what I call old-time hockey. With some great veterans like Jerry Cheevers, Wayne Cashman, and Johnny Busick, Jean Rattel, Brad Park, guys that I, I idolized. The last two I played with in New York. So that era was really my favorite. But getting into the 80s, the, the, the game changed with the helmet rule. And then the, uh, the four, I think it was four uh, WHA teams coming in, the expansion of the league. And the game started to change. <clears throat> but we had good teams. And in 83, we finished uh, first in the league overall. Unfortunately, we lost to the Islanders in six games in the semis. They went on to win the fourth cup. Uh, but have some great memories. And the team was so different, the, the personnel. And then by the time 88 rolled around, which ended up to be my last year, we went to the finals again against Edmonton. And I was the only guy left on the team from that 70s teams, from those 70s teams that, that played Montreal and lost to them in the 70s. Terry O'Reilly was the coach, but I was the only active player. Uh, so, you know, uh, to, in my mind, it was two distinct eras, the 70s and the 80s, uh, not only in society, but in uh, hockey, too. They were right. so different. And I enjoyed both of them. And, uh, I was sad when it was over. Mm. Uh, you know, as every athlete is, you think you have one more year. Right. And I ended up going to Switzerland, playing for a couple months over there, trying to get mm. back to the NHL and play, get my 12 points for a thousand points, but uh, the hockey was so bad over there, I came home and just retired mm -hmm. in, in January of 89. Right. Uh, so you are, you're fourth all time in like total points in Bruins history. Yeah. What does it mean to you to be able to say that you, you know, are among the likes of Ray Bork, uh, Phil Esposito and uh, Busick? Well, that's, that's the thing. I'm, you know, when you start your career, you, you know, you, you dream of winning the Stanley Cup, but you don't necessarily go, oh, I, I hope I get into the Hall of Fame, or I hope I get my number retired, or I hope I score 500 goals. I mean, you, you might set some goals year to year, but um, so the fact that at the end of my career, I just ended up in that position, uh, up around, the, you know, and, and uh, considered uh, part of that group, um, and being fourth, you know, and scoring with those names with Espo and Chief, and it just uh, and, and Ray, of course, it's just uh, amazing that after all these years, I'm still in the same position, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I'm just honestly, I'm, I'm happy about it, mm -hmm. uh, and to to be considered uh, with my name up there and in the record books, and still fourth in scoring some other things, that I'm, I'm still a, a relevant name in the Boston Bruins uh, organization, and uh, you know, it really thrills me that I'm still there, and I'll, I'll be 65 this year. So, mm -hmm. um, so what, did, what did it mean for you to wear the Bruins uniform that so many legendary players had played before you and then, you know, after you? Well, you know, I grew up in Toronto, a hockey hotbed in the 60s, and the Toronto Maple Leafs won four Stanley Cups. So as a kid, I was a Leaf fan, but, you know, in those days, there was only six teams. So I was a fan of all the teams. I knew every player on every team. I loved the Boston logo. Um, 
you know, I got drafted by a, a, an original six team, the New York Rangers also. So I was, I was thrilled. And then, so when I got traded from one original six team to another one, it was like, you know, it wasn't like going to the Buffalo Sabres or something. I mean, these guys have been around for, for de- decades and decades. And I was very familiar with the organization. And, after I started thinking about it, you know, it just happened that the year they traded me, the Rangers missed the playoffs, only time in my career. And I went to a team that's a perennial Stanley Cup contender. And it turned out we go to the Stanley Cup finals my first two years in Boston. So I started thinking, well, I'll be reunited with John Littell and Brad Park. That'd be great. And, uh, hey, Park and Orr on defense on a power play, that might be fun. But unfortunately, when I got traded in May of 76, Bobby was on the team. And by the time I got to training camp in September, he was uh, gone to Chicago. So one of my biggest regrets that I never got a chance to play with Bob. So you played for six coaches while you were in Boston. Which guy was your favorite guy to play for? Uh, you know, they, they were all different. It was different eras. I mean, I, I, in hindsight, I really enjoyed the... Uh, at times, playing for Don Cherry. I always thank him for getting me out of my comfort zone uh, as just a pure goal scorer, offensive player, teaching me the whole game. And he, uh, he, he had patience to do that. He saw something in me, I think, that he, he took the time to help me develop. And, uh, and with that, uh, by the time the 80s rolled around and Jerry Cheevers was the coach, uh, for five years, I was his go-to guy. And I, I would never have gotten the ice time with Jerry if I had not kind of developed it over the years with Don. So I always thank Don for that. Uh, Don will be on the ice with me uh, next week on the 29th. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so uh, I can mention some of that. Jerry I love because uh, he played me a lot. <laughs> he gave me all that ice time. And then put uh, Barry Peterson and I together. And that was just magic uh, right from the start. And I would not, certainly not be having my jersey raised or have the number of points or be fourth in scoring if Barry Peterson was not my centerman for all those years. So I, I love Cheesy for that. And then really towards the end was Terry. And I had played with Terry for years. I knew Terry and we're still good friends today. Um, I know how he approaches the game. I know what he expects of himself as a player and his teammates. And as a coach, uh, it was no less, you know. And uh, so he he brought that intensity to the bench where we hadn't seen that really since Don Cherry. Uh, You know, Jerry Chivas was a different personality uh, the way he approached the game. But uh, uh, Terry brought it back. And and, uh, we ended up going to the finals in 88. So. Mm. I was. Born, I know there was a couple other coaches sprinkled in, but those were the three main guys in my career. I loved playing for all. So I'm sure. I'm sure that you get asked about this a lot. But what's something about the the shoe incident that uh, some people might not know? Oh, uh, with Mike Milbury. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the fact that Mike and I never went over the glass. We were in the hallway. Um, what happened was that Jerry, Phil uh, Esposito had a breakaway on Jerry Cheevers with five seconds to go in the game. Mm. We were up by one, and Cheesy stopped him, and we won the game by a goal. And he, uh, Espo breaks his stick and storms off the ice. I jumped over the boards. I, I tapped Cheesy on the pads, and the Zamboni doors are right beside the net there. So I skated off to walk to the dressing room. It was a long walk in Madison Square Gardens with a very thin carpet that would only have like one guy at a time. Mm. Uh, 
and then uh, I probably about halfway to the dressing room, uh, we heard the fans going nuts, and I didn't know who was behind me. And I turn around, and it's Jerry Cheevers and Mike Melberry, and the fans are going nuts. So we run back out there, at least Mike and I did. I <laughs> did. And by the time we got back out there, the whole team was in the stands. <laughs> so we walk up the, the first flight of stairs. And I see Terry over uh, on top of some guy um, in front of me. But I didn't see the guy up, uh, like, on another flight of stairs. But I guess Mike did, because he kept going up the, the, those stairs. And he couldn't see the guy except his feet were in the air. So he couldn't get a, a shot at him, which I'm sure he wanted to. So he took his shoe off, and he started hitting him with his shoe. <laughs> and uh, we call it the hush puppy incident. And uh, that's really all that happened. Nobody was hospitalized. I don't think uh, blood was drawn by anyone. But it looked a lot worse than it was. Mm. But what, what started it was one of the, the guy, those guys, who happened to be brothers, <coughs> leaned over the boards, punched one of our players, I think it was Stan Johnson, and grabbed his stick. So when Terry saw the guy with a hockey stick in his hand, he didn't know if he was going to swing it at players, fans, what he was going to do with it. Mm. So that's why Terry went over. And, he, wow. and then the guy's brother came down. And it escalated. Wow. It only took about fifteen seconds. Sure. Um, do you so? Do you watch a lot of Bruins hockey right now? Uh, yeah, I keep up with it. Okay. I, I go to some games where the Bruins uh, organization is nice enough to supply the alumni, the president of the alumni, sure. with a, um, a suite on the ninth floor, so mm-hmm. players can come in and uh, and watch games. I try to get in. We play all, all the alumni games on weekends, so okay. I probably get into more weekday games. Mm-hmm. So out of out of the current Bruins players, which player is your favorite to watch? kind of follow up on that which player would you most like to play play with so someone on the Bruins right now So, you know, we had to also be good defensively 
and not just offensively. Mm-hmm. So I uh, I was joking that he uh, he was joking with me. He said, "How do you end up on minus 138 in two years in New York?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, I don't know about that, but I said what I'm proud of is I I didn't have a minus year in Boston in 12 years, mm-hmm. and uh, he had a, he had a lot to do with that for sure." Um, so I, my last question is kind of about the, the league, the league as a whole, what do you think the biggest changes between when you played and versus, versus right now? Oh, wow. Just in the conditioning, the players, uh, so many different things, but I, I think that the athlete is better. They, they train year round. They have personal coaches. Um, the goalies, the equipment has changed so much, and I think the goaltenders, you know, have by far have, have been the biggest change. I look at some of the old films with the little pads they had on. Goalies about five foot six. And I'm like, how come I didn't score more? <laughs> you know. So, you know, with the, with the combination of all that, and then the, the fact that skating wise, they're all such good skaters. I mean, I I used to like to go down and beat a defenseman one on one. Uh, and I knew who would, who was a, you know couldn't turn inside, couldn't turn outside, you know. And today, the the, the way the rules are, the defenseman can't even hit you, but they have to turn and skate with you. And they're such good skaters, you hardly see somebody beating a defenseman one on one now. And uh, that was my my game, my forte. So I don't even know if I could play today because hmm. I used to like I used to like to score in the five hole. And, between the goalie's legs, right. and and you can't anymore because the pads, you know, come come together. So there there is no five goal. You gotta you gotta be pretty quick to get a puck through there today. Yeah. So it's really changed in so many ways. Well, hope you guys enjoyed that conversation, and we'll be back with you folks with a brand new episode next week. Have a good weekend, everyone.